my computer is going very slowly. Oh, okay. I think we're live, guys. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, boys. Happy Wednesday. Oh, I thought you were talking to our audience. Happy Wednesday to our <laughs> audience and Robin and Adam. How are you guys doing? Good. Welcome to the Saratoga podcast. We have lots to talk about. Once again, we have lots to talk about. I swear, Saratoga Springs never disappoints in terms of uh, dramatic controversy, debate, discussion. And uh, as per usual, we have a pretty packed lineup today. Uh, it's Again, this is supposed to be the slow season, 10 days before Christmas, right? You're telling me, and man, let me just say, I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment or what, but uh, for the second week in a row, we sat through a very lengthy uh, meeting last night, although this time it was the Board of Education that was meeting at Caroline Street Elementary School um, to uh, talk about a lot of things, but primarily um, the subject of SROs, and which are school resource officers, for those who don't know which are uh, uniformed police officers, either from the sheriff's department or the city police department, um, who are in our schools to serve as obviously safety, but also um, you know, work to identify issues in kids and um, connect them with behavioral help or services that they might need to identify problems before they bubble up. Dan, maybe you can describe their role better because they really do provide a very comprehensive um, service yeah, for the school. I'll, I'll start off by describing what 90% of their role or 95% of the role is is not. And it's not to be the cop on the beat or the security guard inside the building. Obviously that has a role for police officers and that has an important role, but that, that people think that's their only role and that's that's just incorrect. And you started describing it better. It's it's part cop, it's part social worker, it's, it's part of a connection, a positive connection with students. And yes, yeah, some of it has a traditional law enforcement. It, it, you know, they, if, if, if kids are planning on storming the building with guns, it's a SRO's uh, yeah. job along with the school administration to sort of find this stuff out ahead of time. If kids are selling drugs and things like that, the, the traditional law enforcement things. But it's so multifaceted. And it's it's somewhat new. Uh, the the you know this it's uh, thirty years ago it was all about dare. Well, you know we're past dare, but there's still elements of education there. Some of them teach classes and so forth. So it's multifaceted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that the the circumstantial things that I've heard about have been you know there's been an issue with a kid who's been bullied, and the SRO for the high school, which in this case is Officer Glenn Barrett, you know he knows you know what's going on. They bring him into the conversation. He's able to help kind of identify you know, who the players were and really kind of make sense of the situation so they can resolve it successfully. Um, but they also do things like um, my friend, Charlie Samuels, who's working on um, upgrading the skate park is pairing up with officer Barrett to talk to high school kids about the skate park and like how to treat the skate park and how to keep it, you know, uh, looking good and, and really respecting all the new upgrades. So they really do um, a whole host of different things. But there has been a controversy over SROs for a couple of years now because they do carry firearms on them. And uh, the topic of having armed security, in this case, SROs in schools, has created a tremendous amount of controversy in Saratoga Springs. It's really uh, divided the community over the last couple of years. And um, this is the first time it's come up uh, at the school board in any kind of meaningful way, um, by which I mean, just for background, it's a little bit confusing. We send one of our city police officers into the high school as an SRO. The sheriff's department also provides someone, but we are not in charge of determining if the school needs more SROs. That's a decision that the school board makes. So we can't say like, 
you know what, we would like to have four of our police officers in the middle school, high school and elementary schools as SROs. Here you go, school district. That's not our decision to make. That is entirely up to the school board. So up until now, we've had two SROs for the last couple of years. Um, and that has been per the recommendation of an insurance company that the school district relies on to do a safety assessment of the district and then make a recommendation on, you know, various safety protocols as well as SROs. So for the last couple of years, um, they have recommended two SROs. That's what we've had. Um, but we know that the school board, um, the members of the school board have been very divided on this issue. So I know I'm well, really bad. The, the, the insurance company actually, and this all started with the insurance company came in, did another review and now has recommended at least two additional CSROs. So these are exactly. the, the safety experts come in, look at our district. Uh, it's, it's a very unique district and just how far it's spread out. Um, you know, how far it is from, from Greenfield to, to the Geyser Road or. Uh, um, yeah, so, Caroline Street. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very big district. It's a very big, right, geographically, it's a very big and unique dif district, meaning that um, SROs, uh, and, and it, a lot of this comes down to our greatest fears, parents of uh, a, a shooting or an intruder, an active shooter event, right? So actually, no, but I want to pick up on that after, but keep going. That's kind of like yeah. what people think of first. Well, you know, for me, it's kind of high, it reminds those hierarchy of needs, right? If you're not, what other needs doesn't matter if you're being shot or being shot at, right? So for me, this is the, this, this, everything else for me is gravy. But for me, the idea of, the, you know, the, the only way to stop and act, not the only way, but, but you, you need to meet a threat with an equal or greater force level. Um, and without our, with nobody there, if there was an active shooter with nobody there with, with uh, a gun to shoot back. Uh, you, you essentially have Uvalde. You have, uh, you well, know, where I understand the police didn't go into the, go into the classroom. But if they would have, they would have stopped it a lot earlier. And, and it's just about response time and, and so, having somebody there who who's able to meet these threats. Now, this is like actually where the controversy really kicks up, in my opinion, because just as like an opposing view, I would like to have SROs in our elementary schools, because on a day to day basis, the things I worry about are perhaps uh a parent who's in a custodial situation and decides to grab a kid at pickup and run off with him. Um, a pedophile walking down the street who manages to, you know, sidle up to one of the elementary school kids and lure them away from the playground. It's kind of these uh, more kind of not like smaller incidents, but not the big school shooting. Like that is not what comes to mind when I'm dropping my kids off at school every day. It's these smaller situations that I would like to have a police officer there um, to prevent, spot and be able to react to in a timely manner. Um, and the topic of whether or not a uh, police officer with a gun is the most effective way to end a school shooting if it's happening is very much up for debate just because we've seen, you know, in some cases that's been effective and many other cases that has been, that has not well, been effective. I, dis I disagree because in every one of these cases, uh, except for suicide, ultimately it is stopped with a, by a police officer with a gun, right? I, now, so sometimes I, I, SROs I don't, I don't, don't react. But but ultimately, these incidents are stopped with a good guy with a gun. And, and, and that's so, what's that? I, I don't I don't know that there's data to support that, honestly. Well, I, how, I, how did you all the end? You've all the ended. I, how did you all the end after like an hour of the, all the police officers standing around? 
Yeah, but with, with a breach, though, with police ultimately entering the entering the facility. So it's not a question of how it ends. It's a question of when. And that's why a, that's why a armed police officer, you, you know, the, the reaction time. Again, it's not a silver bullet in, in, in situations where you have active Could shootings. Not, <laughs> there, there, there's no silver bullet. He missed his pun. I know. If I can jump in here, I'm, I'm waiting to jump in. And yeah. I, I, I see where Adam's going and I, 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 I get it. I'm, you know, there's. There's a clear divide amongst whether it's school boards, parents, the general public on, you know, I, I it's largely the liberal side. And they may think I'm describing it incorrectly, but this is my view of it. So let me, uh, uh, you know, qualify it that uh, the, the left doesn't want more guns in school, even if it's on the hip of a police officer. I, I sort of understand that, but it sort of defies reality that uh, when Adam said when, when, a, when bad uh, people are coming through the door with guns, I, as a parent, want a, an armed police officer there. Others, uh, again, you know, largely the, the the far the far left, don't want to introduce. To, I I don't get it. I don't get it, and and I, I don't understand how the the, the logic there. Um, I do know there's sometimes a racial component to it. That uh, I saw a, a tweet recently that well, oh great, you know, now the you know now I have to worry about active shooters and cops. Um, uh, and and you know I, I have to. I, I have to acknowledge that I don't. I, well, there you know, are I, legitimate I'm a suburban kid that uh, legit- always looked up to cops and was a cop. So I, there I, are I, legitimate you know. school districts, you know, inner city school districts where there are truly prison pipelines that are created through police officers in the schools. But that has no bearing on the Saratoga Springs City School District. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been frustrating about this debate in general is that people are bringing in a lot of data from other parts of the country that really have no bearing on the uniqueness of our community and our school district. And so that that to me is frustrating. But at the end of the day, um, what's been so challenging about talking about this is that people on either side have really weaponized it into, if you're not supporting SROs in schools, you don't care about the safety of kids in school. And I just think that's such a horrific argument because at the end of the day, all we care about so passionately is the safety of our children at school. And while people have different approaches to getting that you know, to doing that, we all ultimately have the same goal. Uh, and- again, I, Robin, I disagree. I think you saw at this meeting last night, you saw, uh, I would say 75% of the group was pro SRO. That 75% was comprised of parents and grandparents. The 25% that was anti SRO was comprised of activists and the same oh, yeah. activists. Yeah, yeah. Comprised of so, so, no, so Adam, I'm just, I'm just saying though that everybody at the end of the day is arguing for a safe school environment. And some right, people but, but, argue that needs people to be are, but, but I, th- I think the activists are are, are 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 arguing a political point, and and the pro SRO are, are just arguing reality. And Dan, to say what you said earlier, they're now saying, and this this is the only little bit of weight I would give to the anti SRO argument is they're saying that well, there's you know school districts have limited resources, and those oh, limited yeah. resources should go to mental health. So this is such bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting again. They're acting as if we have one little pot of money and it's either going to go for an SRO or for mental health. And that's just not the case. This is not the same budget line. So it's not like a one or another situation. And the Saratoga Springs City School District already provides more mental health counselors and counseling than almost any district in the area. So adding SROs, especially because we know the municipalities are willing to chip in with money, is not going to affect the budget that goes towards mental health um, services. A quick clarification question. I thought the city 
offered a free extra yes. SRO. Is that correct? So we didn't offer a free uh, SRO, but we offered like a heavily discounted SRO and said we were willing to work with the school district on their budget to, to make it happen. The um, county offered a free SRO from the sheriff's department, I believe. And this is out, going, going, going back to the budget. And, and this is an issue I had with the, the board president, Tony Crattler, and, and, and the old president, oh, yeah. Angie Mika. They, they tried to make this like, and, and I was, they tried to say, well, this, this should be done. This should not be done outside the budget. And, and whoever, whoever does the budget for the school district said, well, it's a, this is a percentage of a percentage of the, the school budget. And they said, well, well, and they compared it to, well, a comp sci teacher, an English teacher, you know, but we're talking our kids safety. And I, I, I got up for public comment. And I commented that if, if you're going to if you're going to talk about our kids' safety and you're talking about a percentage of a percentage in, in the budget, then by all means, don't use the budget as as a, as a reason to delay this any longer. Well, you know, let me just this, say to that to speak to that issue, it, this our school board is pretty much split in half, and the school board members who are currently serving have been serving for the last couple of years. So we've had the same group there, and we know that half of them are vehemently against SROs and the other half are vehemently in favor of SROs. So they've been pushing this discussion down the road by saying we have to wait for the insurance uh, person to make their recommendations. We, we can't talk about it until we get those recommendations. So we waited and we waited and we waited and finally the recommendations were ready. And now suddenly the problem is, well, this didn't sync up with the budget season. Why are we doing it outside of the budget? Well, you're doing it outside of the budget because you're waiting on the recommendations from the insurance company. So it's, again, just a way to just like, you know, keep the hamster wheel rolling, rolling, rolling and try to kick the can down the road and not have to be make an actual decision. Please. Because the people who are anti-SROs have always referred to the insurance uh, company's recommendation as to why we should keep the number of SROs we have. Now, suddenly they're confronted with a recommendation that calls for two additional SROs and they're fighting like hell against it, which is just incredibly hypocritical and isn't reflective, I think, of the community's uh, wants and needs, but more so of their own uh, political opinions um, or personal opinions. But they keep getting reelected. The, the same ones that, that go against the community's wishes seem to find a way to get reelected. And I think that's because they're so engaged and the parents are so engaged with the kids, the election results transcend the community's wishes. Well, it's also largely due to who the um, teachers, uh, the teachers union endorses. Um, I think there's only been one instance. Uh, Erica Borman was elected and she did not have the uh, teachers union endorsement. But that really drives um, the school board uh, election results, as, as far as I can tell. Hmm. I, I, real quick, guys, I want to take a couple minutes right now. I just want to read, you know, there was a lady who, who, who uh, uh, gave up and, and gave a, a a pro SRO comment, a public comment. And I thought it was so well done. She was a, a female. I think she's of Latin descent. Uh, and I just want to read this real quick, guys. She says, a, a, a clarification, Adam. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is this archived online? I know you attended yes. and Robin watched this. this, this, this it's yeah, on this YouTube. Online, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, 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 the two minute synopsis of, 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 of the, the best pro SRO argument I heard. Okay. Uh, it's a young, a, a young mother named Camilla Frias. And she says, I'm here today in support of adding more SROs to this district. This morning, I stopped to the school to drop off something my daughter had forgot, and I noted there was an officer out front. As we walked past, my toddler got excited and said, cop car. She loves cops and hopefully always will. My kids are not being raised to respect those who, my kids are being raised to respect those who put their life on the line for the life of the public. Not to mistrust them. 
having an SRO in our school is more than a safety. It's also about fostering important relationships with police that last a lifetime. We need to start appreciating these SROs and what they could be. They are mentors. They are confidence. Let me serve as a positive role model to a risk student who may not have one or have one at home. I know this to be true because I was an at-risk minority youth who was grateful for the SRO in my school district. They looked out for me and kept me in line and helped me save me from myself. As a minority, I do not believe that our officers are racist. As a youth offender, they never treated me with disrespect. And as an adult, I know that my actions caused my interactions with the SROs in the school. These officers are not only trained to work with our kids, but will put their lives on the put their lives on the the line for them as well. My family and I support SROs. Please stand with us and follow the recommendations. If you do not, that tells me you're anti-police activists whose political ideology is more important than our kids' safety. So I, I, I just saw that cool. summed it up great. And, and you know what, Adam, to that point, um, a couple school board meetings ago, they actually had the SROs come in and present to the board and talk about what they do. And it was so compelling to hear it from them because one of the issues they addressed were they know there's kids who are uncomfortable around law enforcement in general. And they talked about the ways in which they try to connect with those kids and try to start building a relationship. And it was things as simple as one of the SROs was saying that he carries like a little Nerf football when he's walking down the hallway. And when he sees students that he knows feel uncomfortable in the presence of law enforcement, he kind of he tosses the football to them and they like toss it back. And they yeah, just have like this little moment of connection. And, and, and it's like these little things to just start kind of breaking down those barriers. And also it's worth mentioning that prior to Officer Barrett being the SRO for our high school, Officer Lloyd Davis was the SRO in our high school for years and years. And he is a person of color. And so I think the, the race argument, not argument, but the, the issue of race is certainly always something we want to be aware of and talking about. But um, per Superintendent Mike Patton, there has never been any uh, issues that have uh, pertained to race when it comes to how the SROs have engaged with the student population. Yeah, you could see, see Dr. Patton there uh, at this meeting. I, you could just tell he's pro-SRO. And, and, and when people tried to bring up these stats, like you said, of, of SROs are, are you know, a foster a, a feeling like a prison or, or they're going to, you know, funnel kids to prisons. It, it just was pulling them back saying, you know, kind of all the connections that these SRO makes with the students and, and then all the times that they're needed. You know, again, you, you mentioned it with, with said multiple times this year, there's been custody issues that have played yeah. out at the school where, where what, you can have a teacher break up, a you know, grab a kid from a parent who sh shouldn't be taking them. No, this is, this is why you need trade law enforcement. So, yeah. Uh, it really, you know, I think, again, we've talked about this before. We're on the same page. It gets our, our my blood, it gets my blood going a little bit because it's just common sense. And, it, well, and, and when you put political algebra with common sense, it's crazy. I also just have to say the district does, they were saying we are like the, the, um, really the leaders in school safety in terms of, we have a team called the DIRT team, which is the district emergency response team. I served on that team for a little bit. And basically all the ways in which our school district has been addressing school safety through DIRT, through uh, infrastructure upgrades, through the drills that they do with the kids. I mean, we are really at the forefront of school safety and, and doing everything we can you know, from the entrances and exits to the locks, to the windows, to um, how a student might report another student who they suspect might be, you know, getting uh, violent or is, you know, threatening a kid or threatening to bring a gun into school. I mean, we are really 
for lack of a better term, firing on all cylinders in terms of safety right now. But what kills me is that we don't have any SRO or law enforcement presence in any of our elementary schools. And to me, it's the elementary school children who are the least aware of what an active shooter situation is and who need law enforcement there the most. And so it, it really upsets me that we, that we don't have that in place. Um, and one of the things I had thought about is maybe a compromise and Dan, you can weigh in on this. It's probably not possible contractually, but like, is there a world in which we could have an SRO in an elementary school that didn't have his firearm on him, but just mm -hmm. had the taser pepper spray, whatever? Um, the, that would, no. I, I would think that would get a, a severe reaction uh, from the union and appropriately so in my book. Um, it, 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 and then it takes away some of the key effectiveness. I, I said it's a small part of their duties, but arguably, logically, the, the most greatest. important one is to protect the students from, from a killer. Well, and I just thought, take it away. I thought perhaps there's, a, you know, it could be, they could leave their firearm in a locked, you know, something in the front office so that when they're like walking the halls and engaging with the kids, they don't have a conspicuous firearm on them. Like I, I was just trying to basically... I, troubleshoot this to try to bring people together on this issue to, to dial it a little more maybe a uniform that covers the firearm would yes would be a, a, a key but has to be <laughs> seconds count here has, has yeah. to, and i'm not a big gun guy i carry a gun once a year when i go to old forge because it's infested with bears <laughs> you know so <laughs> I, I i recognize uh uh some of the issues some of the anti-gun arguments i i credit and, and recognize some of them um but in this case i think there should be armed police officers in all of our schools, even even if you tell me, you know, the statistics are incredibly low, I get that. And then people say, well, what about the buses? What about this? What about that? Uh, we're starting somewhere. I'm a parent. That's my that's my belief. I'm sharing it with you here. You know, also, we can try this for a year, see how it goes. And if it's not uh, if it's not having a positive effect, we can pivot. It's I, I feel like sometimes people think of this as like a zero sum game. And like if we decide to have more SROs, we're going to have them for life. You know, we can adjust um, depending on what the experience is like and, and collect actual data as opposed to relying on like internet research. Um, by the way, you guys, the room I'm in is like a sauna right now, which is why I'm turning like bright red. Um, I'm getting like a full schwitz on, so apologies. But um, long story short, there was no vote last night at the school board meeting, but I would encourage everyone to go on YouTube and go to the school district's YouTube page and watch the meeting if they're interested in this issue. And the next meeting will be in January and you'll have a chance to go in public comment and hopefully they will vote soon and um, will be compelled to vote with the insurance company's recommendations and not just uh, be totally obtuse and, you know, um, get stuck in their own political, you know. Yeah, let, I, let's I'm let's let's post that YouTube link on our comments and and Robin, I think you're the only one that can see our comments today. Do we have any any coming in yet? Or I sometimes I miss them when I'm in that role. I don't think we have any comments as of yet, but I will definitely throw the link in the comments so people can see it and uh, watch the meeting. It's a little bit long, but the um, public comment is at the beginning and the end, and it's kind of easy to navigate when they're talking about uh, SROs. The other thing they brought up, which I didn't even realize was a thing. There was a couple of public comments about um, mandating vaccines for all students, which made like my brain break because I couldn't handle another controversy. But I didn't realize that was something that was being floated. Um, but apparently it is somewhere and, and parents are already uh, upset. Is that real? Is, is that even I don't think so. I, I, I really maybe it's something that was brought up in the legislature. I don't think that's a real thing. 
I, I would be shocked if there was any uh, vaccine mandate for students. I would be shocked. Yeah. Well, there, I, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't be. I mean, there's already vaccine mandates. That's already an established, you know, protocol that these schools follow. So not not for so, not for the students. You don't have you. You are not mandated to have a COVID vaccine to not COVID. No, 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 not COVID. Oh yeah, but other, other vaccines. vaccines. Oh, totally, right. so, totally. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, there is there's precedence for you know vaccination mandates. True. So that, that, that's and, but, but this particular snapshot in time, it just doesn't feel like it's got any. Any uh, legs or any any truth to it? <laughs> I, well, maybe I hope ten, not, but... maybe ten years from now, when like no children turn into like purple aliens or like grow a third limb, you know, from having uh, the COVID vaccine, people will trust that it's not going to uh, devastate their child in some unpredictable way, and it will start being, you know, one of those routine vaccines like uh, you know polio, measles, you know, rubella, well, all the stuff that kids already get. Yeah, he, you know, here's another thing that was brought up last night, which I, you know, in arguing, well, we need more mental health experts as opposed to SROs. Uh, I think it was John Brueggemann brought up the, you know, the suicide rate or, or the hospitalizations for people ages mm. like 10 to 17 has grown exponentially in the last three years. And I'm thinking to myself, and again, we, it, it's, it is, well, look at what the kids have been through. The look COVID at, effect, it, it, totally. The COVID had, look at the lockdowns, look at the, totally. you know, children are meant, you know, meant to be with kids. They, this is not, this is it, it, not to say that they don't need counseling, but and then there's not to say, I, I know there's, you know, I think we should do some hindsight of, of those, of, of the effectiveness of keeping the kids out of school during all of that and how long we did. Um, and I'm like, not saying there's not times to keep, you, you know, where, where but 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 maybe we overdid the lockdowns a little bit, and maybe we overdid keeping the kids out of the school. I don't. I, to me, the the most disturbing thing was like at the end of every day, it was like you have to take all your stuff home, take everything home because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if there's going to be school, not school, and it was this kind of, you know, this this uh, this kind of unknown factor that every day you know you didn't know what was going to happen the next day. That I saw my little kids. You know, it really disrupted their their sense of security and and routine, um, which little kids need so badly. But the the mental health thing is really troubling because I am have no problem admitting that I was looking for like a talk therapist over the last couple months because I just needed to talk through some of my like Robin Dalton issues. It is it has been a nightmare trying to find a psychologist or therapist that is taking new clients. Just in general, it's been a nightmare. God forbid they also take your insurance. I have not been able to find anybody and I have like the means, the resources, the know-how. And for three months, I, I can't find a provider. And to me, it is just really put into perspective what a bad situation we're in with our kids and adults in terms of mental health and getting access to mental health help. I mean, truly you guys, three months and I can't find a therapist anywhere. It's, it's, just it's crazy so i think it's really something we all need to be concerned about and at the end of the day a school psychologist is great for identifying issues and transitioning you know a kid and connecting them with ongoing therapy but they're not going to be the primary you know mental health counselor to to really treat the child they you know they have to treat all the students so it, that's not the solution it's just a, a way to identify and connect a kid with the help that they need elsewhere yeah. um but again, we do provide, our district has the most mental health support of like all of the surrounding school districts, which is something I think we should be proud of, but also um, it's still not the answer. Yeah, we um, very well stated. Hey, we're, uh, we're closing in on 30 yes. minutes here. 
So real quick, I just wanted to quickly talk about the aftermath of the November 20th shootout uh, briefly, uh, if we can, because an article came out yesterday saying that one of the women who was grazed by a bullet in that uh, Broadway shootout in the early morning of November 20th is suing the city, um, our city council uh, and the police department. Um, and one of the things that was cited in this article was a quote from Jim Montanino in the press conference that he gave, you know, just hours after that shooting had happened, where he said the Saratoga Springs Police Department reacted perfectly. And it was really interesting because to me, I of course saw the video and was like, wow, our police department responded perfectly. But I'm a civilian. I don't know what perfect looks like in law enforcement. And it was a really chaotic scene. And so as a public official to come out and say that they responded perfectly, literally tease up this litigation where this woman is saying she was grazed by a stray bullet and the response was not perfect. And it just, again, reminded me how irresponsible it was for them to have that press conference. The chief of police should have been having that press conference and he would have been able to speak to the police department's response without setting up a situation that would prompt litigation. Yeah, in, the, in, in that article, wasn't it even her and, 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 and her attorney was, was kind of told Jim to shut up. I mean, literally, he's yeah. quoted as, as, yeah. as, 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 as Jim should just shut up. And this is her attorney saying it, which, again, Jim, I like him as a person. I've, you know, I've talked to him a couple of times, but, but, but that, that press conference was, I have the, was, was not smart. But, but in the heat of the I have the, the moment, quote if you want it. Yeah, yeah, but I just want to finish the thought. You know, you know, and then to double down with trying to get taxpayer money to sue the DA. It's, but, but yeah, what was, what was the quote? By so the quote account? is, Coffee also chastised City Public Safety Commissioner James Montanino and praised Saratoga County District Attorney Karen Hagan for, quote, telling them to shut up after Montanino had said the police officers did everything right. Quote, how do you possibly shoot an innocent bystander and say you did everything right, Coffee said. Montanino had said Saratoga Springs police officers fired their weapons at least 11 times. And then it goes on. It's a, you well, know. Let me at least acknowledge here that Jim Montanino, he didn't do it well. I think he was trying to back the police officers in that in that uh, area. Uh, but again, that press conference, the way it handled, like you said, it shouldn't have been called, shouldn't have been those two up there. It should have been so limited in, in, uh, uh, in scope. And they were just so wide. Uh, they, they hit on a lot on that. But well, I think yeah, Jim's was, intentions yeah, it was well being noble there. The it intentions, was well meaning, though, but then to double down was just even that. That for me was like, all right, that's stupid, right? The, the, the press conference, in, in, in hindsight, wasn't the, the greatest thing, but to double down to, to fight the DA, ridiculous. Yeah, that, that I agree with, yeah. And yeah. you know, I went to the last uh, city council meeting because I also wanted to bring to Commissioner Montanino's attention that the Saratoga Springs Police Department policy states that the chief of police is the ultimately the person who is responsible for disseminating information to the media, especially when there's an ongoing investigation. That authority lies with the chief of police. So Jim Montanino violated his own department's policies and how he did that press conference. And for me personally, I feel like if he can't abide by the policies of his own department, he is not, he is not, uh, he should not be in that position. He is not suited for that office. He should not be in that office. If he can't follow his own department's rules. The take I get from Jim Montanino is he's just as absolutely convinced he is always the smartest person in the room. Correct. That, yeah. And that may be unfair, but that is my take in observing him. Because of his lengthy legal experience arbitrating divorces. <laughs>
Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know every corner of, of his legal career, but I, I guess I know. I do. Part of it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Move, move, anyway, on. moving on. Yeah. So we have uh, is, we have we have Abby with us. Up. Yes, we do have Abby with us. Hold on one second. Hopefully, with audio this time. Abby, can you hear us? Can, can we I'm hear here. you? Can you hear me this time? Yay! Yay. <laughs> Abby is the editor in chief and really just boss of everything at Saratoga Living Magazine. And we love having her on the podcast. And she's here to talk about your new holiday edition that just came out, as well as a very exciting event happening tomorrow and some singles events that are really exciting. So lots to dive into. Yes. Well, this issue, you know, has two of the three of you in it, as I think you've discussed before. <laughs> Abby, where's my feature? I'm feeling a little left out over here. I know. Funny how that worked out, but Robin will definitely do something in the new year for sure. Um, I don't know what you guys have talked about, but let's talk about tomorrow first. We're so excited. It's our fourth annual Gives Back event. Um, it's actually a whole program that's two months long. First, we find 10 honorees, five from Saratoga and five from the greater capital region. And it's just anyone that we've heard about that did especially amazing things throughout the year in order to give back to our community. You know, our motto, our, you know, our mission at the magazine is to celebrate the community. That's all a local magazine does. And for two months, we get to celebrate 10 people in that community that do just amazing things. And so um, we interview them. They're in the print issue of the magazine that's out now. And then tomorrow night is our big party and they will all be um, honored at this event. Adam is one of our 10 honorees. Um, <laughs> and so this is really exciting because this is a great party that's happening tomorrow night where these 10 people who have been doing just incredible things for the community and various communities are being honored, but also there's cocktails, you can socialize, and then you can hear about these really inspiring stories of philanthropy, um, a, a lot of which were kind of like under the radar, Abby, which yeah. I think is really cool. You, you really go out of your way to find stories and people um, who are doing things, you know, not that, you know, we don't see all the time um, and, and really unique and interesting. Sometimes the under the radar, as you put it, are the ones that need the help the most. And when you don't have the hugest organization, there's no red tape. Uh, I think Adam can actually talk about this because his is so grassroots. We know exactly where the money is going. So you leave the event really feeling good um, about yourself and knowing where the money is going and all of those things. And it's all staying local. Um, when you buy your ticket for the event, you actually choose which of the 10 organizations your money goes to. And then, like you said, it's a really fun party. So it starts at six o'clock at Putnam Place. There are, you know, you can all kinds of articles on saratogaliving.com that all link to where you can buy tickets. And the first hour is that we have a ton of food, uh, mm -hmm. wine from Frisianette, sparkling wine, whatever you want. And then the program starts around seven. And Christina Rangio from Channel 10 is the MC, and she'll be introducing all 10 of the honorees and telling their stories. And then the last hour is just kind of a holiday party. So an excuse to get dressed up. We take photos for the magazine. Definitely photo um, opportunities all around. And it's just a really great feel-good event. And by the way, it's a really reasonable ticket price. And you're not only getting the whole party, but you're also know, you also know that part of your ticket money is going to the nonprofit of your choice. So, I mean, I can't think of a better way to spend $100, honestly especially at this time of year. Like this is the perfect season to be having this kind of event. 
Can can I quickly ask how late this will go? I, uh, um, there's a few conflicts, including St. Clement's Christmas concert for me, but I, I'd like to get there if I can. You never know. They party hard over at there. <laughs> we try to keep it six to nine, Dan. But you can you know, buy a ticket uh, you know, as a donation. Um, there is a little friendly competition in that we do match the funds on the uh, nonprofit that raises the most money. And we do a cutoff at like around noon or so tomorrow, just so that we walk into the party knowing who won. So Adam, can you- Go ahead, Robin. Can you remind us of why you're being honored and all the incredible work you're, you've done and, and why we're all going to this party to support you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I did before. I'll, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do. But mm. uh, as many of you know, I've been going into uh, Ukraine and Poland, um, just delivering. Uh, it started with letters of hope, which is letters of $20 in it. But just, you know, delivering uh, hope and kindness and, and warmth and cheer wherever we can. Uh, but we're really excited about this next trip where we're going. Uh, we're actually going with a guy who's been he's been on the front line um, in, in kind of showing the Ukrainians uh, territorial defense how to properly administer first aid for you know for mass not mass shootings but for uh for bullet wounds and for trauma from shrapnel mm. so this guy he knows ukraine he knows it well and, and we're essentially going to spread christmas joy there um ukrainian christmas believe it or not is actually january 7th which works out very well for us because we're leaving on the 26th so up in the 25th, we're taking donations of, again, holiday cards with $20 in it, um, the disposable heat packs, you know, you use for skiing yeah. and thermal underwear. Those are the things that are really, we want to take over with us or unused generators. If anybody wants to donate a, a generator, uh, we'll take it over. I was just wondering oh, what I'm going to get all my unused generators. I was like, God, well, it's not all these unused <laughs> So I'll give you an example. And I, I can show you that, you know, in Camping World, there's a generator for $350. In Poland, it's $1,300. Oh, it's wow. 46 pounds. It's one, you know, even if we got to pay a $100 check baggage fee. And, and generators and power banks are the most requested thing. But after that, it, 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 and so our space going over is very limited. That's why we're, we're kind of asking for donations that are very, you know, effective but light. So those disposable heat pads, the thermal underwear, or, 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 or money. That's easy to take over. All the other things we can get there, except for the generators and, uh, and, and the battery packs. And we're just going to do our best sourcing them from you know different countries in Europe trying to get them as cheap as possible but we're you know we're going into into we're going to go to an orphanage we're going to go to uh, there's a gymnastics team who I met some of the girls last time I was over there who who are in Ukraine and, and and every time there's an air raid siren they go into the into the um into the basement and they practice gymnastics there and it's there's no heat there's no electricity down there um, and so it's very cold. So they're just asking for things like, you know, I have all sizes. They need 12 shoes of a certain size. They want their team. So they want 12 matching jumpers of, of a certain size. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that are much cheaper and easier to get over there. But we're going to really just be going across Ukraine and then spending, you know, Ukrainian Christmas in Ukraine. We're dressing the guy we're going with, big dude, big beard, we're dressing him up as Santa Claus. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. help us bring some joy to some kids by you know you can buy a ticket for the event tomorrow by noon please do it by noon <laughs> come, come hang come hang out with us right Abby? in addition to the amazing work you're doing when you go over there there's a local component as well because you've um a lot of some of the refugees are now here in saratoga in the capital region right 
Yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, thanks to my mom. She bought tickets for some for some of the refugees to come, and they're just the the, the most wonderful ladies. Uh, um, their families. They're over here. They're oh, just, that's they're gonna come tomorrow night. That's amazing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So. So they, 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 it's, 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 they just, you, you, you meet them like, oh my, it's so hard to imagine. Like for instance, the one, and if I told the story, the one of the ladies, she was a doctor back in Ukraine. She's living in America now. She has children, my children's age, which is nice. So, you know, we can see them socially plus, plus, you know, help out where we can. But, you know, she's, they have these built, they're called blocks. And a block is a very communistic looking building. It's, a, it's a, like a condominium building, but a communistic looking one. And her block back in Kiev, there's no power. So what they're doing in, in her water. So for the winter, they're going out and they're building, they're, they're digging. Um, and, and she's on this email threads, right? So she's sitting there reading these emails, you, you know, of, the, of them deciding what to do. They're drinking trenches in the back of, of the building. And that's their toilet this winter, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so that's, that's, that, that's the firsthand knowledge you get from, you know, from these ladies who, who, who are here now. But, but how, it's just the connection and how real it is and how, a, you know, a year ago, now a year ago, it's it's starting to get to a year now where you know, Russia was starting. To, it's, you know things were starting to be a little scary a year ago, but there was it, their, their lives were so like ours, so normal. Yeah. And now and and now that you know now they have to go out in the cold, you know, Central European winter to at night to do their business. It's just it's horrendous. But we're going to be bringing whatever warmth and joy we can over the holiday season. So there's my pitch. I appreciate yeah. all the support. And Abby, I appreciate you know Saratoga living. Course, yeah. Adam, you brought up a really good point, though, that I think um, I don't know where Adam went, but I'm going to keep going <laughs> on his really good point. Um, yeah. The the Russian strategy over the last couple months has been to take out the power grid and the infrastructure of uh, of Ukraine. So the electricity, heat, water, I think they've, they've really decimated um, the, the, the infrastructure and the power grid and whatnot. So. They're facing a winter with, you know, no heat, no electricity, no access to anything. And that is just unthinkable circumstances and incredibly brutal. Um, but, civilians really is just the lowest of the low. It's really kind of dirty. The other thing, though, that I think is kind of nice about what Adam is doing is that, like, my kids, I have them do a 24 acts of kindness during December so they don't turn into, like, monsters by the time Christmas rolls around. And having them do Christmas cards um, to send with Adam is just a really easy way to connect, like, you know, my kids to kids, uh, you know, a world away, um, but in a really meaningful, uh, meaningful way. And it's easy and it just focuses for, for me and my children on what's important as opposed to all the superficial spending and presents and, you know, crap that happens around Christmas. So um, suggestion for anybody who's looking for some some acts of kindness to do with their kids. I, I really like that idea. Um, wow, that's good. Yeah. Because um, honestly, I don't know if you experience this, Dan, but in school they have like 85 holiday parties there's breakfast, breakfast with Santa on the weekends. There's gingerbread house making parties. I mean, by the time we get to December 25th, it, they've, they're practically ruined. They're so spoiled. And so it was really important to me to kind of like refocus on, uh, on giving back and doing some good in the community. And there's so many things out there that you can do um, with kids. Like, like the YMCA has a Lego club and they're looking for extra Legos. So like my kids are, you know, gathering up with extra Legos at home and we're gonna drop them off of the Y. So anyway, um, if anyone's sorry looking for, running, for sorry for running, guys, we have the 
my snowblower was down. And so with the storm coming, the guy was just here to fix it. So <laughs> I was anyway. assuming you were getting generators dropped off. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not nothing is noble. Just making sure that the snowblower is up for this storm Friday. Wait, are we getting snow on Friday? Oh, big time. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there's, there's some belief the schools may be closed. Oh, <laughs> oh, brother. I am not made for snow and ice. Oh, brother. Anyway, well, um, wait, Abby, the other thing I want to talk to you about, because it's such a fun and necessary thing in Saratoga Springs, you've been hosting a series of singles events yes. and they have been such a hit. Can you tell us about them? Yes, absolutely. I wanted to, um, I know I gave the website, but also you can find any of the info for the party tomorrow on our social media, Saratoga Living on Facebook and Instagram are also very easy ways to find it. And to keep in, and to keep your eye out for our next singles event, we had one this week and, um, or last week, and we did, we did a Christmas sweater party, which I had never actually attended, and it was super fun, and everyone looked festive. Um, coming out of COVID, you know, I, I would even see on the Facebook group, you know, that um, Adam runs, what's going on in Saratoga, that people didn't know how to meet other people. And so we call them singles nights, but they've also been somewhat of a mixer. You can be a wingman or a wingwoman, and just groups of people are coming out, and you know, you know, everyone there is looking to meet people. So it's not as nerve wracking as just going to a bar and trying to say hi to, to someone. And it, they've been so much, like so much fun. I don't even know how to, <laughs> this one. they're at Bailey's and um, Natalie, these are kind of her baby. And she comes up with little activities. This time you got a lyric to a, like a Christmas song or a holiday song. And you had to go find the other people who had the other, um, you know, parts of the refrain. And it was just a really great icebreaker. And um, this crowd, we doubled in size from the first one to the second one. And a lot of people this time believed us that you didn't have to be looking for a partner, that you could just be, you know, looking for, you know, for friends or whatever. Um, it's mostly a singles event, but let me tell you, there were a lot of people who weren't even single. And it just turned into this big mixer, all ages as well. I mean, really from 20s up to 60s. And it was just a really good time. That, that, that was that was a question I was going to ask you. I, I was wondering what, where the age range was, and uh, that, that's great that you've got the uh, the uh, the wingers uh, helping out and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I I gotta say, when I was doing parties and we did singles events, it was the most fun I had at an event because it's hard to date in Saratoga. It's such a small yeah. town, and you know there are a lot of people looking for love, and to get them together in a room and actually see like some love connections happen, like like people like started dating because they met at this event and like, it, it was just awesome. And you know, like Saratoga living, Natalie, somebody to kind of facilitate the, uh, you know, exchanges between people. I would walk around with like a tray of shots um, to help kind of lubricate everybody. And it's just, it's such a needed thing. And I think it's, uh, it's just awesome. So I, I love that it's been so popular. Yeah, people were definitely in the market for it, for sure. Deep Eddie is our sponsor, and so everyone gets one uh, Deep Eddie cocktail, and they're delicious, I might say. He has all these kinds of flavored vodkas, and it was just a really good time. We did a group photo this time. I mean, literally doubled in size. People were just are definitely dying for something like this, so it's exciting. Yeah, so, so repeat the when and where of the, of the next one again. So we're doing them every two months, and so I would say we just did one last week, and so probably in the dead of winter we'll do another one. Um, so definitely keep your eye out on uh, Instagram and Facebook for sure. Oh, you should do like a February, like anti-Valentine's Day mixer. <laughs> the idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Well, we loved having you on, Abby, so much. Uh, there's so much good stuff in this issue of Saratoga Living. So I hope everybody goes out and picks it up. If not, come to the event tomorrow night, celebrate Adam and others. Um, yes. And is there anything else you wanted to add before we... Well, I didn't know we were talking about the issue yet. I know that um, my issues last week. Uh, I have to say thank you to Dan. One of our biggest features on the Buffalo Bills uh, was written by your co-host. And it's an, an amazing, amazing article about the founder and owner of the Buffalo Bills who passed away in 2014. But his connection to Saratoga, um, because of Dan, I actually went to watch the Bills game last weekend at PJ's Barbecue. And those are some rabid fans. Let me tell you, it's members only to watch the game, although you can show up and, and join. And they were all saying that no one knew Ralph Wilson's connection to Saratoga. He uh, came at least 50 years in a row. His widow still keeps his box at the clubhouse. And just this amazing connection between Saratoga and Buffalo. So uh, go Bills. Great article. Definitely pick up the issue to read it. Dan, you had a cool, can you share that cool follow-up from that article? Um, yeah, and I just want to say, uh, you know, I uh, I wrote it in my uh, uh, solid but crude way. A certain <laughs> editor named Abby on your screen really polished it up, made it beautiful. And uh, I, I don't um, uh, have, hang on a split second. Hang on. I have it right here, I think. <laughs> ah. Dead air. It's, it's, it's rare, <laughs> but I have something at my disposal that I need at the moment. But just yesterday in the mail uh, from Mary Wilson, Ralph Wilson's uh, uh, wife, she wrote the most beautiful, who writes a handwritten note these days, right, on stationery? Uh, she wrote the most beautiful th uh, saying, th you know, th uh, thank you uh, regarding the article. And again, I, I texted Abby Mew, I said, Abby, this is half, ha at least half you. Um, it was it was so touching and so nice to do it. But yeah, the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills were conceived here in the Spa City, and don't you forget it. It's uh, uh, not as, as, as weighty as the things we're talking about that Adam's doing with overseas, but it's a source of pride to me in, in Saratoga Springs that we have that, uh, that key connection. Wait, Dan, yeah, does, that mean that, does that mean that we get to be in the Bills Mafia officially? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the cost, but uh, she mentioned PJ's Barbecue. That is just a $25 season-long admission fee. Um, get you through the playoffs and everything. If you care to do it, it's a fun crowd. You get there a few minutes early, you can usually get a seat. Uh, they got, you know, the kitchen's open uh, uh, and so forth. It's, it's just great if you are a Bills fan or think you might be a Bills fan. It's fun to watch a game there. Wait, is, is that is P, does PD's barbecue just close? I mean, is it only for this Bills thing or are they open too? No, I, I they they have one part of it, uh, the bar area. That's kind of roped off. Bills thing. The rest of it, uh, assuming it's normal business hours, is open. But there's been so many night games that the, the – Sometimes surpass the normal business hours. And, yeah. and we should, you know, you know, I, I, I love that family. I, I love that 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 has been a staple. But it's really what BBQSA now. Yeah, PJ's BBQSA. I believe. I think yes. they did. They totally drop the PJs. But they did I, not I, totally I think, drop it. It's still. Oh, in they there. did not totally. All right, all right. Mm. But that was they. That's a, that's that's another thing that makes Saratoga great. That's you know, I went to one of their drive-ins and yeah, you know, the gentleman who owns I blank on his name now, but he was like DJing song, like, you know, songs from the fifties and sixties. It was just a neat, yeah. a neat they place, did an experience. They and did an awesome food. renovation great. too. Like they when they renovated a couple of years ago. I mean, it looks yeah. spectacular. Yes, yeah, they they and, and their food has and their food was always decent to me, uh, but it's improved even more. I mean, the barbecue and the bills, like what what more can yeah. you ask for, right? Yeah. It was a great they got beef on a wick there, Dan. They do. They used to have it. Yes, they do. He calls it something different, but it's essentially a beef on wick. He's got a couple. He's got the garbage plate from uh, uh, Rochester. He's got a lot of Western New York uh, uh, tributes there <laughs> on his menu. 
for people who don't know what beef on weck is, it's I've, I've been to a Bills game before. I've only gotten a Buffalo. It's a, just a delicious roast beef sandwich, right, Dan? That's that Ooh, really made on a weck roll, a Kimmelwick roll with caraway seeds and giant kosher salt. Oh man, I'm gonna get barbecue. I'm freaking there. hungry right now. Man. I know. <laughs> well, um, that is awesome. Who was on the cover, Abby? By the way, of this issue. Yeah, um, Erica from Saratoga Grazing Company. Oh, her amazing board, uh, cheese boards and veggie boards. She's over 100,000 followers on Instagram now. People are like, I know. watching her create these boards. It's pretty mesmerizing. You might not think so, but it is. <laughs> so for people who don't know, she basically does like charcuterie and cheese boards, but they're beautiful and creative. And it's like really like food porn. Um, yeah. And so her Instagram page is a lot of fun. And uh, she's a she's a local girl, local family. And it's, it's awesome seeing her have so much success with um, Saratoga Grazing Company. Yeah, and I mean, I'm an excellent grazer, so I'm delighted to have her. <laughs> That's right. Same. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Abby. Oh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to see you tomorrow night. What are we wearing? Sparkle. It's a holiday party. <laughs> yeah, my wife. What are we wearing? I don't know. Over. I know what I'm wearing. I don't know. She's been asking me about what I'm wearing. So we actually sent her Abby the pictures you sent me for last year, so she knows. Oh, perfect. Now everyone. Dan, Dan already has his outfit yeah. picked out. I'll figure mine out tomorrow. Something tells me I'll be in black on black. Something tells me. Or maybe I'll dress in as a Ukrainian flag. I'll like literally do a, like a yellow and blue. <laughs> you can throw that together in 24 hours. God bless you. Oh, I can do anything. I'm I'm rocking out this week. I can do anything in 24 hours. <laughs> love it. Well, thank you, Abby, so much. We thank can't you. wait to see you tomorrow night. And um, everybody pick up the new issue of Saratoga Living Magazine. Thank you. Bye, Thanks, sweet. Abby. Thank you. Oh, where is my little mouse here? Get out of here. Get out of here. As I lost my mouse, someone else might have to take Abby out. Oh, there she is. Sorry. Um, well, guys, I think we're on to cheers and jeers. We've, we've talked about a lot today already. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, somehow I've lost control of my, my mouse, so I can't do our little cheers and jeers animation, but, um, what do you guys got? Adam, Dan, cheer, jeer. I'll, I'll start yeah. with, with, with my cheer. It goes to one of Saratoga's SROs, Officer Barrick. Uh, I, I just, the, the more I, 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 you, you know, a month ago, I don't know if I would have recognized his name, but the more the SROs are in the, uh, the, the, the conversation, the more he's used as the. The, the the reason why SROs are needed. Um, and I've, I, on my Facebook group, I shared a picture of him with some kids at Crossgates Mall and the comments that came in, just, just the people and the fond, uh, um, the fond, not memories, but feelings they had towards Officer Barrett. I just don't know the guy, but it's, it's, it's a great to hear so many good things about somebody who's, who's filling a, a position that we've talked about that we think we need. Uh, my my jeers go to again. Wait, I can I wait, Adam? Really quick, yeah. can I just say one thing about Officer Barrett? So I, I've known Officer Barrett like forever because he used to walk Broadway as his beat, and so he's one of those police officers that really goes out of his way to connect with the community and the people he's policing. But he also is so passionate about working in the schools, and you get special training to be an SRO, and it's just really amazing that we have people who, this is not an assignment, you know, this is something he wanted to do. He's so passionate about working with kids and he really does a phenomenal job at it. And so we're just, we're really blessed to have him. So thank you to officer Barrett for uh, everything he does. Does, yep. does he uh, have sorry. a doppelganger? Because I swear he's everywhere. He, well, <laughs> right? I, I tell him, I would tell him all the time. I'm like, you are the face of the SSPD. I need your face because yeah. he's just, uh, 
he's he's he just does a great job engaging in the community just uh, and all but also i will say i've seen him on patrol um on the mounted unit he is like on the horses at night in the summer and that is a totally different officer barrett he he's not playing when he's on that horse overnight it's uh yeah. there's no smiles and, and hugs it's, it's all business and very very yeah. impressive so, so I'm sorry, right, we so, interrupt you. Keep going. No, no, no. Yeah, no, sorry, no problem. So my jeer goes to um, the, the 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 two board members, Tony Crackler and Angie Amica, on our city school board, who who are comparing uh, um, the what an SRO does and the need for SROs to to an English teacher or a comp sci teacher as far as the budgetary process. It just shows how how they don't take you know this is our children's safety we're talking about the most important thing us as adults and parents can do is ensure our children's safety and and believe me my mother was a teacher for 40 years this has nothing to do with english teachers or computer science teachers but to to say to say you know we could we could keep on kicking this down the road because we would if it was a new english teacher department it just shows that how out of touch they are with the parents Who's, who, the actual parents who have kids in the, in, in the school district who want to, to drop their kids off knowing that there's an additional line of safety there should, should something happen. So that's what I got for today. I totally agree, Adam, with that year. They, they can't point to any specific negative uh, you know, outcome from having two extra SROs and instead just come up with these totally bullshit excuses and, and ways to It's just... a bullshit excuse, exactly. The it budgetary is. issue, it's it's you know, it's a percentage of percent. They could figure it out. Don't don't bring your politics into my children's safeties. Yeah. So. And, and as if then all of the teachers are gonna start, you know, asking for money and all these budgetary requests are going to come in because of this one funding issue. It, it was it was just ludicrous. It was really embarrassing. Yep. Hmm. I'll uh, I'll jump in with a couple here. Um, I, I'll start off with the uh, kind of a jeer, but more of a just a complaint that, um, and you guys can probably relate to this. With sick kids, we need medicine, and I can't find Tylenol or Motrin. Really? Anywhere. They're not on the shelves. You can't even buy the off-brand stuff, the store-brand stuff. It is impossible. I'm calling Rite Aid. They're just about they're laughing at me. Not laughing. They weren't disrespectful. Like, oh, sorry. We're hoping the truck gets in Wednesday. We got nothing. We've got nothing. And it is so. It's a nationwide issue. But I'm. It's, it's hitting home because it's hitting my home because my kids. My kids. Dan, uh, I got you covered. Running fevers. It is awful. What's that? Robin? I I did not know that, but I like stockpile all that stuff. So if you need it, seriously, I I got you covered. Oh, well, Dalton household as a full well, medicine. Thank you. I, I just got lucky and got a little bit, um, but uh, it's it's tough, and there was very little on the shelf. Um, my my cheer is, uh, you know, here we are around the holidays and some great events, especially going on tomorrow night and so forth. But also, I want to rec recognize the arts organizations in, in and around this city. I mean, just I'm going to miss some, but you know, I'm thinking with, with Cafe Lena and, and UPH and Napa Dance Group having the, the Nutcracker next week down at the Egg, but they just had the Oratorio at UPH Homemade Theater. Uh, they, they had a nice show going on and, and somebody got sick and they had to cancel it. I feel so bad because I know, talk about budgets, uh, you know, they, they put on shows, they pay for shows and then they, they can't, uh, they, they can't have uh, uh, guests. So I just want to tip my hat to all the arts organizations, the ones I did mention, the ones I did not mention, uh, that they make this area that much more rich. Awesome. 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 Did you, did you cheer? You did cheer. Uh, well, did the you? lack of Tylenol. And, and oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Of course. Um, well, my cheers is, is kind of random, but I, I'm actually going to cheer Facebook because social media is often a total disaster, as we know. But over the last couple of weeks, I have just been like watching some moments on Facebook that have been really inspiring, 
where people in our community need something and strangers are responding and helping them, you know, meet that need. And just, there's just been some really beautiful connections happening on Facebook that um, kind of like warmed my heart and, and, you know, made me uh, dial back my constant, you know, vitriol towards social media. So just been kind of like a nice thing to witness. And um, I love how our community steps up and helps everybody and helps each other, you know, helps strangers, um, whether they need something plowed or they need, you know, um, just any any multitude of things. It's just been really nice to witness. So like, yay for positive engagements on Facebook. Um, my jeer, you guys, you could predict it all day long. I'm just gonna jeer in perpetuity, really, Mayor Ron Kim and Commissioner James Montanino. They've gotta go. If anyone's listening and interested in running for public office, uh, the city council is up for election this coming November. So the city Democratic and Republican committees will be uh, doing endorsement interviews come January, February. So if you have any interest in running for public office, contact either the Republican or Democratic city committees and put your hat in the mix because we need a new mayor and public safety commissioner, amongst others. So that's all I got, guys. If I could just mention, sometimes these parties will look outside their own party and will oh, yeah. endorse an independent or someone that's not registered um, with the party. It's that's not their correct. norm, but they will at times consider it. That is correct. You can get endorsed by a party that you're not enrolled in. You sign a little form called a Wilson Pakula, and but that that is absolutely an option. So don't be deterred by party affiliation. Excellent. Yeah. All right. All right, kids. I've got to go like towel off and like getting an ice bath. I'm literally like <laughs> so hot right now, but um, this was great. And I will see you both tomorrow night and then back here again next Wednesday. You, you will Thanks see me in some form. Bye All right. Bye. Over and out. Thanks for watching folks. Bye.